O God, bless us this day with your Holy Spirit. Let it pour out upon us and strengthen our faith as we read your word and study your ways. As the Holy Scriptures are read, let the words we speak ring true and our thoughts be devoted to you. Let all that we do be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 13. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, your offspring. Our next reading is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 28. Tell me, you who desire to be subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. One, the child of the slave, was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through the promise. Now this is an allegory. These women are two covenants. One woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the other woman corresponds to the Jerusalem above. She is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, you childless one, you who bear no children. Burst into song and shout, you who endure no birth pangs. Desolate women are more numerous than the children of the one who is married. Now you, my friends, are children of the promise, like Isaac. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Isaac kind of gets sandwiched into two much bigger stories. That we have the story of Abraham and we have the story of Jacob. And Isaac sometimes gets a little lost in that mix. And I think part of it's that Isaac didn't seem to get himself into quite as much trouble as his dad or his sons. But Isaac does teach us something very important about our relationship with God. And what I wanted to look at today was exactly what Isaac's birth meant. That we hear from Paul talking to the Galatians about how there are two separate promises being made and there's two separate covenants being made. And to understand it, we have to look at what exactly happened for 
Isaac and for his older brother Ishmael. And when we look at them, we see two very different plans happening. And it's those two very different plans that still are mirrored in the way that we interact with God today. One is the plan that Sarah made. That she was worried that a promise had been made. A promise had been made that Abraham would have lots and lots of children. That he'd become the father of nations, as we talked about last week. They were worried it wouldn't happen. So they tried to make it happen on their own. And to make it happen, Sarah gives her slave woman over to her husband and says, Here, if you're going to be a father of many nations, you've got to have some sort of offspring. And she tries to fix the situation on her own. And Abraham never objects. He goes, well, I guess this is how this is going to be. The only way we're going to have children is going to be like this. And so a child is born. The other promise that we have is the realization that God was still going to keep that promise. They just had to be patient. And they weren't any good at it. They figured in their old age, it would never happen. They would never have kids. They were far, far, far too old for that to ever happen. And so they tried to finish God's plan without God. God decided he still had plans. And Sarah gets pregnant. Sarah gets pregnant and has a child. And they name him after the idea that he would bring laughter. That he brought laughter to his parents because they laughed at the idea that they would even have a child. And then it brought laughter because of the joy. That Isaac is born out of this promise that was made. The thing is, the first child is born out of the idea that in order for God to keep his promises that we've got to take over and do things on God's behalf. The other child is born of the idea that if we give God the space he needs to work, God will make things happen. God will always find a way. Whether it is through us or around us, God will find a way. Isaac is that reminder that God's going to make things happen the way that God needs them to happen. Now what's interesting is that when Paul talks about comparing Sarah and Hagar and the birth of Ishmael and Isaac is that Paul doesn't look at the physical descendants of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob as being the children of the promise. He sees those still in Jerusalem, those desperately clinging to the law, as children of the slave woman. Born out of human ideas, born into human hands, and born out of a desire for human plans to come to fruition. That they are still chained to sin and death. 
because they are hopelessly attached to the law. Whereas when Paul talks to the Galatians, he says, well, you're children of the promise because God promised he would set you free and you are free in Christ. Because you are free to know that the law is fulfilled through love. That you are free to know that the law has been fulfilled in all that Christ did and that you are no longer chained to it. Because the thing is, is that when he talks about those still in Jerusalem and those who are under the law, it's the people who think that if they just follow the rules hard enough, they're going to bridge that thinking too much like Sarah did with the promise. That if they could just make plans good enough, if they could just do enough scheming and enough thinking that they'll be able to think their way up to God. Never realizing that they're always going to fall short. But the children of the promise, those who have realized that the law is fulfilled in Christ, that if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and if we love God with all that we are, then all the law is complete and all the law is fulfilled. And that when we follow Christ's example, that we do what is right and what is good, and we follow God wherever He leads us, that God will bridge that gap. Because Christ died knowing that we would always fall short. Because it's what happens. That we might be able to keep 999 laws and mess up and break the thousandth one. And the problem is, is that we're always going to have that one more that we fall short of. There's always going to be that one little thing that we don't get right because it's who we are and it's what we do. Because we fall short of the divine. Christ knew that going to the cross and going to the cross, he bridges that divide by putting his hand out and saying, if you reach for me, I will reach for you. And that's the promise. That when we reach out for God and give God the space to move in our lives, that God will reach out and move us. That when we're not sure which way to go, instead of trying to put God in the box and say, all right, God, I'm going to take you wherever I'm going, we let God go free and say, God, take my hand and take me where I need to be. Because it may not be where we're expecting to go. Abraham and Sarah had this idea that if God made a promise that they were going to help God keep it, not realizing that God had already got everything figured out. They just needed to listen. And even when God is telling them, I'm going to fulfill this, you're going to have a son. The two of you, they laughed and wondered how it could be. How often do we laugh? How often do we laugh when an Isaac is promised to us? How often do we laugh thinking that something is impossible, even for God? How often do we laugh at 
the little things. Going, well, you know what? I have to do this myself because I'm the only one who's going to do it. Not like God's going to make it happen today. How often do we laugh God out of the equation? God's not always going to jump in and make something happen like that. And God's not always going to make things happen the way we expect. If we learn anything from the Bible, it's that God grabs the most unassuming people and the people that we would expect to be the last people He would choose and He chooses them to make things happen. And He makes it happen by guiding them in the right direction and getting people on the right path. Because once one person's on the right path, they catch somebody else and bring them onto the right path. Just like when Abraham and Sarah finally get caught up in the right path that Isaac is born and Isaac brings others into the path, then Isaac bears children that bring others into the path, and through Abraham comes, comes Jacob, and from Jacob we have the twelve tribes of Israel. And when we follow that line down, it comes right down to Christ. Because a promise was made and God was going to keep it. We have to be able to trust that God can do whatever God needs to do. That even if we think it's impossible, God can make it happen. But we also have to accept that sometimes God's going to take us in unexpected paths. That God's going to lead us where we don't expect to go. But we've got to be willing to be led. The promise that was made is that we are free. Free from the burden of stand free from death itself. That Christ has set us free that we can do what is right without worrying about how we're going to make everything right. He has set us free to know that even if we mess up, we can still be on the right path. That even when we stumble and when we fall, that God is still there to help us up and guide us and lead us. That as long as we make our choices and we keep God in the plan, that God will be there to help us every step of the way. That we are the children of that promise, just as Isaac was a child of promise. But we have to be willing to give up holding on to slavery. That we want to be slaves ourselves. Slaves to rules so that we can bind ourselves to rules and bind others to our rules. But we are not slaves to the law. But we are servants in Christ. His law is love. And the freedom He gives us is the freedom to love without limit To love without reason. 
to love as we seek to be loved, to care as we want to be cared for, to forgive as we want to be forgiven. And to follow God freely, knowing that we are bound together in a love so great that no sacrifice is too big that we may live. Remember Isaac as a child, a promise that's a promise to you and to me that God will always be there, that God will always help us find away, and that God has never left us to our own devices. Sometimes we're just not patient enough to wait for God to meet us. Amen.